Welcome to Church 213. We're so glad you're listening to the sermon series titled Tis the Season, where Pastor Ryan will be encouraging us on how to be healthy, strong, and unified as we head into the last lap of 2021. Thanks for listening. We're going to dig right in this morning. Um, as we get deeper into the fall, into the winter, it is, it is here. We are right into the thick of things. We are right into the thick of things um, when the season of our lives are rapidly increasing. I mean, we went, from, we went from gravel to stripes in like 10 days, to God be the glory. Woo! I am excited about that. Um, James Reed is our leader of our ministry of motion. Today's his birthday, so we paved the parking lot for your birthday. So, happy birthday. You know what? We, we do what we can. Um, this is the second week. Last week, we kind of talked about prayer. Tis a season to be connected in prayer. And so, this is kind of a piggyback on that um, because I feel like that prayer is the untapped resource of the movement of the gospel which has wheels on it. Can I get a witness, church? Prayer is having the, having the consistent, intentional, strategic, unhindered moment sitting in God's counsel. That's what it means to have a prayer life. Prayers that are answered from that place will blow your mind because it aligns your ass to God's will. See, there's a difference between praying and having a prayer life. There's a difference between praying and having a prayer life. Do I say it again? There is a difference there. Consistent, intentional, strategic, unhindered moments sitting in God's counsel, as we saw last week, will open your mind to the wonders of God. But again, I'll say this week what I said last week. If the devil can't rob a believer's soul from God, he will rob their time with God. And if you've entered this week from last week trying to be more strategic in your prayer, more than likely you have, uh, you have faced the attack of the schedule. Amen? And so last week we looked at one of the prophets. started with a J. This is your chance to kind of talk in church. Anybody remember his name? Jeremiah, gold star. There you go. Jeremiah. Last week we looked at the, uh, the, the life of Jeremiah and his powerful prayer life. Jeremiah was on the front end of Jerusalem's destruction. And on the front end of that destruction, God was able to show Jeremiah what Israel had done, but the fact that Israel was not done in the eyes of God. God was not done with Israel. God was not going to leave what he owned in ruins. Amen? And I want you to know this morning that if you feel like you brought some ruins in here and you belong to him and you're a child of the king, he will not leave what he has owned in ruins. Scripture tells us he'll make all things new. 140 years later from Jeremiah, we meet a man on the back end of God's judgment. A man that saw God's promises in Jeremiah actually come true with his own eyes 140 years later God is beyond time and space I don't understand it but I believe it and that man that we're talking about this morning is Nehemiah see Jeremiah and Nehemiah are, are I want you to look at those two guys as bookends of sort for the Babylonian captivity 140 years apart give or take a few both of these guys were connected in God by prayer. But I want to point out something else this morning that's going to be our focus. Not only were both of these men connected by God in prayer, but both of these men were connected by God because God had given them a burden. And there's some heavy burdens in here. I know. I know some of your stories. There's some of you that brought some heavy burdens through these doors this morning some of you it's possible that that the burdens are so heavy you just feel like you're about to collapse i want you to know that this is not a coincidence that you're here this morning 
God's word is faithful. God's word is true. And God will not allow those that he has laid claim to to be left in ruin. To God be the glory. He's not going to leave what he has owned in ruins forever. So tis the season to be carried in prayer. Here's, tis the season to be carried in prayer. If you sit in the counsel of God consistently, and you sit in the counsel of God strategically, I want you to know that God will show up and He will show out in your life. One of the ways that you should expect Him to do that is through the burden that God places on your heart for other people. Just this past week, digging into this text, it was just Monday. It was just a heaviness. A heaviness in this place. And, uh, and I got a text. I got a text from another pastor who I had not talked to in a couple of days. And he just said, God just put me on your heart. I want you to know, stay the course, stand in the gap, and keep standing on the wall. How can that be a coincidence? How can that be a coincidence that I'm asking the Lord, hey, I need encouragement. I need to see you do something and then get a text from somebody that was carrying a burden for me? That is not a coincidence. And as I was thinking about that, the entire sermon prep took a hard left. <laughs> and so you're on that road this morning. And I got to thinking, that makes perfect sense that God would use, would use other people to prove his power. Because that's the biblical connection of the greatest commandment. So if you have your copy of God's Word, open up to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. I'm just going to kind of preface the story of Nehemiah here. Because this is where the Lord has, has taken us. Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four. <clears throat> the word of God for the people of God says this. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, Ask a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And this is the greatest and most important command. He could have stopped there. But he kept going. The second is like it. There's a connection there. Love your neighbor as yourself. Usually we stop right there, but verse 40 is so critical to what Jesus is saying. And verse 40 says this, All the law and the prophets depend, maybe your translation says hang, I like that better, depend, hang on these two commands. You guys can have a seat. See, Think back to the point of the law and prophets. The law and the prophets, they're mile markers. They're roadmaps for the Israelites. They kept the relationship with God in view. See, one reason we might not see God answering our prayers is we won't stop wandering off. At least that was the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament. They wouldn't stop wandering off. Where are you going? And God consistently used the law and he consistently used the prophets to say, stop wandering off. Let me spend time with you. See, loving God is, is to have a relationship with God. That's what the first part of the greatest commandment says. And that relationship with God, it grows in large part through connections with other people. Have You ever thought about it like that? There, there's, a, there's a significant connection. You saying, Pastor Ryan, are you, are you saying you can't fully love God without a burden for other people? No, I'm not saying that. Jesus is saying that. <laughs> the two work in tandem because the more time you spend in God's counsel, the more time you want to spend with other people. 
And there are some people, the more time you spend with them, the more time you need to spend with God. Amen? The two work in tandem. See, that right there is a magnificent reason to connect and stay connected to the fellowship the Scriptures call the universal church. The local church, and the local church which we call Church 213. Which I want you to know is growing, it's getting stronger, because it's getting more passionate for the things that God is passionate about. This is not a country club. This is a partnership of offering and surrender. And here's what I found. I found on days, and I have these days, I found on days that the lies of the enemy are telling me to quit. Y'all ever been there? I found on days that ministry, that the enemy is telling me that ministry is not worth it. I found on days that the enemy is telling me that the battle for truth is a waste of time. I know to stop the enemy in his tracks, I will stop and I'll begin to pray for you. Specifically, strategically, and intentionally. Because I know for me in my heart, when I focus on the burdens of other people, it puts me in a sense that I'm in the presence of God. There may be somebody in here right now that might be the very tool that God will use to show you the mighty things that you've been praying that God would show you. That's a real possibility. Because the two, love God and love people, both point to the glory of God and they work in tandem. And praying with a burden is probably one of the most neglected parts of a prayer life. Y'all write this down, it's on your notes. Carrying another's burden in prayer can lead to a fresh encounter with God. I have lived it. Anybody in here lived it? When you you carry another's burden in prayer, that can lead to a fresh encounter encounter with God because it's no longer about you. It's about what you expect God to do with someone that you don't even realize God's working in their life. So as we make this last lap of 2021, I want to to encourage us to be sensitive to carry to God the given burden in prayer. Let's be sensitive to the voice of God when He puts someone else on your mind. Tis the season to be carried in prayer, church. So how do we recognize a godly burden? Because life will wear you out. Can I get a witness? How how can you tell if if that weight that you're carrying is is your mother-in-law's cooking? Or is this actually something that God is doing on your life? Is Is this of God or is this of the world? And Nehemiah, remember, is the bookend to the Babylonian captivity. Nehemiah explains for us and kind of exposes us to the answer of how do we know if if what we're feeling is a godly burden. So let's go to Nehemiah chapter 1. Most of you are probably in Matthew. So you're going to have to go way back. Nehemiah chapter 1, I'll give you a few minutes to get there. Nehemiah chapter 1. Says this. The words of the Lord Nehemiah. The son of Hakaliah. During the month of Kislev. In the 20th year. When I was in the fortress city of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, arrived with men from Judah. And I questioned him about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived in the exile. And they said to me, the remnant in the province who survived the exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's walls have been broken down and its gates have been burned. Verse 4, when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept. I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the the God of the heavens. And I said, Lord, the God of heavens, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps His gracious covenant. Verse 5. 
with those who love Him and keep His commands. Let your, let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayers that I now pray to you day and night for your servant, the Israelites. I confess the sins we've committed against you. Both I and my father's family have sinned. We have acted corruptly toward you and have not kept the commands, the statutes, the ordinances that you gave your servant Moses. Please remember what you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were, were banished to the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I choose to have my name dwell. They are your servants and your people. You redeem them by your great power and strong hand. Please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to that of your servants who delight to revere your name. Give your servant success today and grant him compassion in the presence of this man. Because at that time, I was the king's cupbearer. Burdens are carried personally. Burdens are carried personally. See, Nehemiah led the third return of the exiled Jews back to the land of Israel. He loved these people. These were his people. He loved this land. He loved this city. Even though he... He had likely never been there before himself. He still had a deep love for him. See, Nehemiah was born in exile to Jewish parents. Remember, he's a bookend to what we saw last week in Jeremiah 33. And the Bible tells us that Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the Persian king who had taken over the Babylonians, Xerxes. Now, a cupbearer, that was a tough gig. Because a cupbearer would be the last line of defense for anybody that was trying to poison the king. Wouldn't you hate to have that job? You know, that's, that's a tough thing to do. That brings an entire new meaning to the, to the term, does this taste funny to you? You know? So the cupbearer would, would take it and the cupbearer would drink. And if the cupbearer survived, then it was safe for the king. But it was so much more than just a, uh, just a taste tester. He had the burden of protecting the will of the king. So for a man to, to be given a burden in prayer, it's only appropriate that he was used to carrying these burdens. King Xerxes would have made sure to fill this role of cupbearer with somebody that had a great reputation. Somebody that could be trusted. A man that could handle the burden of the cupbearer. But God was about to put another burden on him. And he knew he could handle it. God won't give you a burden you can't handle. Now notice, what I didn't say is God won't give you more than you can handle. That's a message for the other series, Tools of the Trade. He will give you more than you can handle, which is the point. It shapes us into conforms, it conforms us to trust in Him. I'm talking about a burden. I want you to notice something that Nehemiah got. He got the same general information that everybody else got. So he's there. He's a cupbearer. He's, he's in, you know, it says he's, he's in this month and he's in this fortress of this city. And some men, one of his brothers comes in with this information. The information is this. The wall's been broken down. Its gates have been burned. It'd be like if somebody walked in here and said, hey, everybody, the parking lot's been paved. Okay, it's general information. He, re he received general information that the people in his homeland had gone back, had totally dropped the ball. These are the people who'd returned to Israel, and they had made absolutely no progress in reestablishing what God had told them to reestablish. They had, they had no intention to rebuild the physical, social, political, and economic and family culture to represent God, which was the goal all along. That's why they were taken away. They had failed to represent the Lord and do what He had called them to do. And they had, they had an opportunity to go back and try again, and they were failing in that. 
But here's the kicker. This is general knowledge. But it hit him personally. It hit him personally. It was heard by a lot of people, but it affected him personally. It was heavy on him. What that tells us is just because something is heavy on your mind doesn't mean it's necessarily a burden. But, you know, let me define burden. A burden is, is a weight from God that draws you to get involved on behalf of someone else. That's a burden. And it's not the same as guilt. Guilt and a burden aren't the same. It's not the same as guilt and a burden is not, also not shame. Yeah, those things are heavy. But those things are of God to bring attention to your heart. A burden is of God to draw your attention to someone else's heart. Because the Holy Spirit tells us that when we're outside of the boundaries of the will of God, that alone is sin. And when you step outside of those boundaries, you have this, you have this guilt and this shame and this weight, and that determines the freedom of our worship. When you have stepped out of boundaries of the will of God, you just ain't feeling it when you come in here. Right? So how do we correct that? Well, we admit that we're wrong by asking for forgiveness. We, we prove that we're sorry by true repentance. That is a change of direction. And then we walk in freedom. Guilt is different than a burden. I just gave you a quick recipe of how to get away from guilt. Guilt is self-centered, it's inward. A burden is God-centered, it's outward. It's a gift of God to make His glory known. That's what I want you to get. But it's not always given to a group of people. That's what I'm trying to say. Not every spiritual or material need means the same to everybody else. Why? Well, a burden has two sides. There's a personal need. And then, then, then there's the side of, of, of the one the Lord has chosen to help lighten the load of that need. And God gives both sides so that both sides, catch this, both sides can witness the will of God being done in a miraculous way. That's when a burden comes in. Not every burden is meant to be met by everybody. And sometimes God is personally putting a burden on you exclusively because you're the only one God has trusted with the responsibility to carry it out. Why? Because you're the one that needs to see God work in somebody else's life. So don't be quick to pass it off. When you feel that burden, don't pass it off. Don't ignore it. And don't re recruit others to do it. Let me tell you what God's put on my heart. Will you come with me? I mean, there's a time for that. But normally, it's exclusively personally to you because God is also interested in doing a work in your own heart through the life of other people. Love God and love people. A burden works in that, in that connection. And Nehemiah shows us that that's God's method. God's method is to work through individuals. The Lord is always calling for somebody He can use. Amen? But God never uses anybody that comes to him already put together. And so he puts these two together. That calling of being used by God, it, it can come through a personal burden. It's personal. Burdens are personal. But burdens are, are also to be carried prayerfully. They've got to be carried personally. Burdens are also carried prayerfully. That's the second thing. There may be somebody in here, in here this morning that, that you know already. I've just gotten started. But God has put a burden on you for, the, for, for another person and it is personal. You look around and, and it, might be not, it might not be affecting anybody else. But you know without a shadow of a doubt that God has laying, lay, he is laying a burden on you personally. So what do we do? How do we know if it's a godly burden? Well, the burden are carried prayerfully. Let's look at verse 4. Nehemiah says, When I heard these words, I sat down and I wept 
It didn't say that everybody else sat down and wept. Nehemiah is saying, I got general information. I heard some stuff, and it hit me hard. This was for me. This was personal. He sat down and he wept. It goes on to say, I mourned for a number of days, fasting and praying before the Lord. See, after you feel that the Lord has burdened you, what, 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 what do you do next? What's, what is that next step? Well, Nehemiah says he spent some time in prayer. He spent some time in fasting. Nehemiah was broken over this. And it took such a toll on him physically that as we can t- we're going to read a little later, the king could tell. You know. You know when something's sitting heavy on someone's heart, don't you? You can see it. You can try to fake it till you make it. But you can see it. Man, I want to be the type of faith family that when it's seen, we care about each other enough to go, hey, what's going on? You got a burden. You got a weight on you. You're not part of the fine family. But not all burdens are going to take a toll on us like that. But I want you to know some will. Some will will drain you. And that's why we shouldn't just brush it off like it's no big deal. We have to get away in those moments. We have to get away and we have to spend some time in prayer. Remember what I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about strategic, consistent, intentional moments in God's counsel. Not just this, thank you Lord for the food, grub-a-dub-dub, put the food in my tub. I'm talking about consistent counsel. Maybe it's minutes. Maybe it's hours. Maybe it's days in fasting and prayer. This is what Jeremiah did. He didn't let, this, he didn't let life push the burden aside. He let prayer push other things to the side. He also fasted. What's the deal with fasting? See, fasting is being willing to give up something your body craves in order to gain something that your spirit needs. Fasting shows that you are really serious about praying and really serious about your relationship with God in the burden. You've been given such a heavy burden, you don't really have an appetite. That's a good sign that this is an opportunity to fast. I really believe in, in, in the times of carrying heavy burdens when you have lost your appetite That's the way the Lord's saying, listen, this is a moment of fasting. I'm helping you out. You're not even hungry. So spend this this season of this burden, fasting. And when when Nehemiah got the burden, he acted. How did he act? By praying and by fasting. He set that example for us. Now, what was his role? It was cupbearer. Cupbearer came with privileges. It came with responsibilities. It came with luxuries, no doubt. But what what Nehemiah did was he backed away from those personal comforts. He backed away from that personal activity long enough to put himself in somebody else's shoes. And man, that's tough to do. When you've got a burden, you have to step away from your own life and put yourself in the shoes of the person that God wants you to walk in so you can relate, so you can feel that weight. Not all burdens are going to require days of hour, days, days and hours of prayer. Not, not all of them will. But if they do, are you willing to push back away from the comforts of your life and give that burden the attention that it needs? Because when you do that and you spend the necessary time in prayer and fasting, eventually that burden will lift. Are you willing to stay the course until you can feel that burden lift? Because remember, it's the two sides of the same coin. God has given you a burden for someone else because God needs to show up and do something in that person's life to show you and the other person what mighty things my God can do. It's for both of us. It's for both of you. Remember, what you might be asking God to reveal you in prayer might come to fruition when God works on behalf of the burden He's put on you for somebody else. There's a story of this this lady. She was in the the kitchen cooking and it was 
4 o'clock in the afternoon, and she just felt this weight, she felt this burden to pray for a man in her church. Well, she started to brush it off, but it just getting, you know, kept getting heavier and heavier. She couldn't get this man off her mind. So she turned off the stove, and she went in the living room, and she just began to pray. All she knew was God had put this man on her heart. And so she just began to pray that God would work, that God would move, that he would understand his presence and the awe and the majesty and, and all the things. And, and she prayed and at 10 after 4 turned into 15 after 4. That's a quarter after. And then 20 after 4. And at 4.30, the burden was lifted. It was kind of an odd feeling to her. So she stopped her prayer. She felt at peace. She went back and finished dinner. Well, on Sunday... She sees this man and his family at church, and she walks up to him, and she said, Can I just ask you a question? She said, Was there anything that happened in your life this week that demanded emergency prayer? And his jaw went. He said, Sister, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. She said, Try me. He said, Well, you know I have a little plane. I do a lot of flying from place to place. He was flying from two destinations in Florida. And at 4 o'clock, his plane took off. He was in such a hurry to get from point A to point B that he didn't check his fuel. How does that happen? Come on. He forgot to check his fuel. Okay, that's the top of my checklist. Am I breathing? Check. Fuel? Check. Okay. But apparently he was in a hurry. So he didn't, he didn't check his fuel. Into the flight, the engine starts to sputter. And you realize he's going down. All he could do was begin to cry out and beg God. He began to look for a place to land. He, he couldn't find anything, but off in the distance, there was a field that had just been plowed and planted. He thought, if I could just get there, but he knew he didn't have enough time. But miraculously, he made it. Miraculously, he landed that plane. Miraculously, it, it, it coasted and it slid to a stop. The cone of the plane and the propeller was up against a tree. He was hurt. I mean, he wasn't hurt. The plane wasn't hurt. And he told the lady, he said, I specifically remember looking down at my watch when I got out of that plane, thanking God for saving me, and it was 4.30. The man praised God. As he told this, this lady this story, they both were in awe. They both were in tears. They could not believe what God had done. See, for her, the burden had been an instrument of God in a crisis. For him, the need had been an instrument of God for praise. And right there together, they were able to give God glory. Together, they were an example of how God uses prayer burdens to care for the people that he loved. This is more than just, just corporate worship overflow. This is carrying the burdens of each other, church. Amen? That's what this is. And he will keep the pressure on. Until you focus on Him and seek Him and depend on Him. I want you to know, tis the season to carry your burdens in prayer. Because prayer is a preamble to action. As I was thinking about this, like man, you can, you can always tell how serious people are about their burdens. By how serious they are to pray and fast. They're really serious about it. It's a preamble to action. Burdens are carried responsibly. So how do we know if they're a, God, a godly burden? Well, they're personal. They're personal. They, they, they're handled prayerfully. And the burden is owned responsibly. We have a thing that, a line that we say with our staff, and it's this, you got to own that. You know, there, there are times where you do something and you mess up and you don't want to own it. And sometimes you just, it's good to say, that, that's on me. That ain't nobody's fault but my own. And so we say that all the time. You know, most of the time it's, it's Pastor Dom. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> most of the time, most of the time it's me. He's like, Pastor, you got to own that. And I do, I own it. You know, staff, other staff members, oh, you know. Man, you forgot to dot this I and cross that T. Say it. I own it. It's, it's freeing. 
It's freeing to know that. It's freeing to know that, that sometimes when we have those burdens, we ought to carry them responsibly. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says this. Let your eyes be open and your ears be attentive to hear your servant's prayer that I now pray to you day and night for your servants, the Israelites. Remember, Nehemiah wasn't born there. <clears throat> he wasn't there in Jericho. He wasn't there 140 years before. It would have been really easy for him to say, this ain't about me, this is about y'all. I'm not owning this. You did this. I have no part to play in this. But then he said this in verse 7, we have acted corruptly toward you and have not kept the commandments, statutes, ordinances you gave to your servant Moses. Please remember what you command your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commandments, even though your exiles were banished on the father's side of the horizon, I will gather them from there. I will bring them to the place where I choose to have my name dwell. See how personal that is? We're in this together, church. We carry each other's burdens. And when we're not as strong as we should be, we all are responsible. Because a church, one, I say it often, a church that's lost repentance has lost it all. And we're only as powerful as the purity of our people. We are all here to minister to this community on 213, which without a doubt, God has purposed for us to be here. If there's ever a question about God's sovereignty to plan a place to minister and grow and strengthen, it is the, it is the it Church 213. This is a miracle. And so we're all to carry it responsibly. That's the attitude of his burden. Not only was he faithful in his prayers, but the text said he prayed day and night during the month of Kislev. And as we're going to see in, in chapter 2, it wasn't until the month of Nisan that God gave the glory that he had been praying to see. That's four and a half months later. He was responsible. He took responsibility to the burden and he didn't give up to the condition that the people that he loved were in. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And I want you to know, don't stop praying for that burden until you get an answer. Because the burden is of God for his glory. And you can't let go of it. Because God gave it to you. Because it's personal. And so if God gives you a personal burden, you can't put it off on somebody in section C. Section C can't put it off on his body on section B or section A. Because God has given you the burden personally. And you're the only one that can carry it. Because God wants to show you what he can do through the burden that he's put on you. Now, it's your responsibility. So when you feel that burden, uh, there's this tension because you want to keep going. But you know you can't because God just put something on you that's now you have to deal with. A lot of you guys know I worked the second shift in a grocery store working through college. It was three to midnight. So long day at school, straight to work, midnight. I was tired, ready to get home. And, and one afternoon, one night, coming up the road, and I passed a gentleman walking. It was, you know, 12.30. I was in a 93 Ford, I mean, a, a Dodge Intrepid. That was a car of the year. The thing would fly. Debbie couldn't stand it, so I drove it. I liked it. it kind of would float down the road, you know. It made me feel like I was flying something. So I was rolling home, ready to get there. Passed a man walking. As soon as I passed him, guess what I started to feel? Burden, burden. Guess what I continued to do? Kept driving, <laughs> kept driving. So the, the further I got from him, the heavier that burden got. And the more that I ignored the burden, the more, the, the more it weighed on me. So I turned around. I turned around because I knew the responsibility God had given me to handle. And I didn't know the situation that I was about to go into, but I knew that it was now mine to deal with. So I turned around Met the guy. He said, um, you know, I need a ride. I need a ride to the house. 
And I'm thinking, okay, how far could you possibly live from here? I didn't ask the right questions, okay? You need to ask some questions. I said, hey, well, you all right? Yeah, you know, you need help. I need to ride to the house. I said, okay, get in. After he gets in my car, this is, this is in Jasper County. After I get in my car, then he tells me he lives on the other side of Morgan County. What am I going to do? So I put him out. No, I didn't. I didn't. I, could, I couldn't at that point. Not only that, but I looked at the gas gauge. I wasn't sure I had enough money to get to Morgan County in a 93 Dodge Intrepid at 1230 at night with a stranger that I didn't know. But God had given me a burden, and it was now mine to carry. And so by the grace of God, I took him home and had enough gas to get back home, and I survived the whole ordeal. See, when God gives you a burden, you own it now. You own it. And the reason that you want to own it is because God is preparing to do something in your prayer and fasting that you will not be able to see if God had not given you that burden. So don't ignore it. Don't, don't give up on praying and fasting and acting on it because that's going to bring guilt because that's obedience to the will of God. As soon as I felt that burden and I passed him and I tried to talk myself out of it, that burden went to guilt. Nehemiah was personally invested in this burden. So much so that he felt personally responsible for the conditions of Jerusalem. If God calls you to partner with Church 213, you are personally responsible for this community for the lostness, for the marriages that are struggling, for the children that are insecure, for, the, for, the, for the, the pain and the brokenness that happens here and beyond. We are now responsible. When, when, we, when, we, when we look at things, we have happenings, and, and when we have events and, and we have things, those aren't just something to fill our calendar. There's enough to fill our calendar on our own. But we pray over these things and we and the staff, we, we look and we pray and we say, God, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? What is, what is the burden that you want to put on us for our people? And then we lay it out before us. It is our responsibility. Every week, somebody will give announcements. It's not announcements. It's a pronouncement for what God has opened the door for us. It's our responsibility, those, those burdens. He was personally, you want to see a man up man? It was Nehemiah. Nehemiah, he, he, he owned something that had happened 140 years before. He owned it. That's a real man right there. That's a kingdom man. Uh, that's a godly person. A godly person understands that God places his people in culture as preservatives to take responsibilities to make things right. Amen? See, he knew the sons of Israel had walked away from their part of the covenant from God. And even though Nehemiah wasn't born yet, he understood it was partly his job to carry the burden to make things right for God's glory again. He knew he was in a representative position of glory. He said, I'm willing to carry this burden because it's mine. And guess what happens when you take that burden for somebody else and it's personal to you and you take it, you carry it to the Lord in prayer and fasting and you take ownership of it. You're willing to walk in those shoes. What happens next? The burden reveals God's story. The burden reveals God's story. Isn't that the point? God's story. That, that's, that's the point. It is the redemptive story from cover to cover. This is God's faithfulness during uncertain times. So don't get lost in the weeds because the weeds of this can be discouraging if you're not careful to know the whole context. The context that Nehemiah is saying is God is a God of yes and amen. And what he told Jeremiah was, hey, you walked away, but I'm faithful. 
And 140 years later, there's going to be another man named Nehemiah who's going to build the wall. He's going to restore, not just for restoration purposes, but to prove to the world how powerful our God can be. It's God's story. This is God's story right here. I say this, I think I tell the story every time that we do OCC because I like it. But there was a story of a little girl that she knew the only gift that she would ever get was an OCC box from Samaritan's Purse. And um, her favorite show in all the world was Dora the Explorer. And so she, would, she, wanted, she, wanted, she wanted nothing more than a Dora doll. And so the day that the deliveries came from OCC, they, they, they brought just hundreds and hundreds of boxes. And, and she, she ran to the, the pickup point and she had her Dora shirt on. And when she, when she got in line and, and just randomly got a girl gift in her age group, she opened it up and right on top of the box was a SpongeBob doll. No, no, no. Was a Dora the Explorer. What are the odds? You know what? You know what this little girl's name was? Dora. This is God's story. We don't know all the details. We don't have to know all the details. But God is writing His story on our lives. We are created in His image to reflect His goodness. That is our purpose. Life with purpose. What is that purpose? It is to love God and then to love other people. And sometimes the tool that gets that done is a burden. Look at chapter 2. We see the heart of Nehemiah in chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 2. During the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King King Xerxes, when wine was set before him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. Remember, he's the cupbearer. I had never been sad in his presence. You know why? Because he had to act like he had it all together. And the king said to me, why are you sad? When you aren't sick. This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Remember, it had been four and a half months since he had given the burden for his people. He was broken. He, he Probably he looked physically different. And the king knew because the king spent a lot of time with the cupbearer because the king had to eat multiple times a day. So the cupbearer would have been by his side all the time. They spent intimate time together, church. And so when you spend time together, you know when somebody's struggling with something. You know when somebody has a burden. That's another great reason to stay connected to your faith family. Because you feel connected. You feel like people care. We do care. But it's hard to care when we see you two times a year. Christers. Christmas and Easter. Yes, we care. But it's easy for us to do life together when we're doing life together. The cupbearer was right by the side of the king. He's like, what's going on with you? Obviously, something's wrong. Because you look sad. And I know there's nothing wrong with you. Because I see you two or three times a day. Because I like to eat and drink. I was overwhelmed with fear. And replied to the king. May the king live forever. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried. Lies in ruins. And its gates have been destroyed by fire. You know what right there? Yes, it was personal, but he had to own that responsibly. See, he wanted to keep going and saying everything's okay. He was scared to be vulnerable. He was scared to act on that burden because he was in the presence of the king. But he felt liberty that he had to take that next step. He had to reveal that burden. He had to act on that burden because he had to own it. And he owned it. And he said, then the king asked me, what is your request? Man, I love that. What do you want me to do about it? He heard him. Because he acted on that personal burden prayerfully, the king 
was prepared to do something. So I prayed to the God of heavens and answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild it. He didn't pass the buck. Usually, the sign of a leader is they divert blame, pass the buck, and take all the credit. That's not what he did. He owned it. That I may rebuild it. And the king with the queen seated beside him asked me, well, how long will your journey take? And when will you return? So I gave him a definite time, and it pleased the king to send me. Verse 7. I also said to the king, he's getting pretty bold. I also said to the king, King, if it pleases you, let me have letters written to the governors of the region of the Euphrates River so that they will grant me safe passage until I reach Judah. And while I'm at it, let me have a letter written to, to Asaph and keeper of the king's forest so that he will give me timber to rebuild the gates of the temple's fortresses because we're in a supply chain issue and the city wall and the home where I will live. And the king granted my request for the gracious hand of God was on me. See, God's story was able to be written. Another page in the redemptive story, just like Pastor Dom said, that was going to usher in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our Jesus Christ. God is writing out His story and He's using burdens to do it. So how do we recognize godly burden? Nehemiah shows us. Nehemiah's burden began a new work in his heart. The burden that God has given you or will give you or possibly has already given you could be for the purpose to start something fresh in your own heart. Nehemiah's burden made him more dependent on God. You may have a burden right now that you're like, Lord, I cannot act on this by myself. So I'm going to have to pray and I'm going to have to fast. Nehemiah's burden, it cleansed him so he could serve God in greater ways. Nehemiah's burden, it let him see the power of God from a new perspective. For those of you that are just kind of stuck in the rut in your faith, be prepared for God to give you a burden so you can see him in a new perspective. God, I can't see you. It's possible that we can't see him because we've been personally ignoring the responsibility of the burden that God has put on us. And best of all, he was a better servant for something better that was coming. A burden might be a tool in the story of our Savior. A burden might be a tool in the story of our Savior. And so when God gives you a burden, when God gives a burden to somebody, just know that if you'll, if you'll see it through, you'll get a clearer picture of what God's doing around you. Because you can see and you can trust what's around the corner that otherwise wouldn't able to be seen without the burden. Parents, sometimes in the morning, as your kids are going out the door for school, you say, hey, I need you to grab your coat. And they're like, well, why? It's not cold outside. And then you give them the look and they get their coat. You want them to get their coat because you know that you check the weather app. And while it might not be cold now, you know that by the end of the day when they get out of school, it's going to be freezing. And so they get their coat, and you go and pick them up from school, and when they come out, you notice they've got their coat on. Why do they have their coat on? Because it's cold. And you want to hear them say the words, right? You're right. And they do. They say, you're right. How did you know? See, I had inside information on what was arriving hours later because I had made a connection with something that I could see based on what the future was telling me. I had access to future radar. And so, tis the season, church, to be carried by prayer because when God puts a burden on us for someone else, it might be that mom, it might be that dad, it might be that family, 
It might be that person just pops in your mind. You can ask Debbie when we when we when we drive, drive somewhere. But you start thinking about people. Can you send this text? Do you know what's going on with this person? Man, windshield time is a fantastic time to just sit, turn off the radio, and just, and just listen. Listen for that person. Who is that face? Who is that family? Who is that man? Who is that couple? Who is that that God puts on your mind in that moment? That person that you see in town, that you've seen in town before, but this time it's different. That person that you walk by in the grocery store and you see them, you don't know why, but, but, but of all the people in here, that person is carrying a burden. That random person whose name you can't get out of your mind when you're praying. That is evidence that God is working before us, church. God is working before us. He knows the weather report. and What He wants to do is He wants to set us up for awe and wonder so we can draw our hearts and strengthen our faith so we can see Him do what only he can do. And so how do we apply it? Well, when he speaks that burden to you, listen and act even if you think you don't need a coat. Listen and act because he has inside information on the spiritual weather outlook of your life. So tis the season to be carried in prayer. Take up that burden and watch what God will do. Because it's possible that that burden that you've brought in here right now on behalf of somebody else is the exact tool that God will use to give you refreshment, intimacy with the Lord, and show you a glimpse of how he's writing the story of your own heart. Hey, let's pray together. Y'all bow your heads for me. Hey, this is a great opportunity for you. Just to be still and silent just for a moment in this brief time of strategic, intentional, consistent prayer. Asking the Lord what burden he would have you carry. Hey, I'm not talking about a burden for yourself. I know that that's real. I'm talking about a burden for someone else. Who is that person? Who is that family, that mom, dad, teenager, child? Who has God burdened you? And you know it's there because it's in the forefront of your mind. And it's been there for a while. Anybody say, Pastor, I've got somebody like that. Will you pray for me that I would make it personal and I would act on that? Yeah. Hands all around. If your hand was up, I want to encourage you that it's possible that that burden right there is the tool that God will use to show you His awe and His majesty. Hey, in just a few minutes, this, this platform is going to be open. And I simply want to invite you to take your burden to the Lord in prayer. It might be a guilt that you have that you're ready to cast off. You're ready to admit. And you're ready to walk away from it. Walk in freedom. Maybe God has laid something on your heart that you're out of alignment with the will of God. And this morning is the morning to get back into that right alignment by just simply saying, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Plant my feet on a solid rock. God, be my stronghold. Be my strong tower. Be my shield and buckler. Maybe that's the place of the condition of your heart this morning. If that's the case, I'll be right here. Certainly love to pray with you. If God has put a burden on you, you want to lay that down on a fresh and new, you want to renew that responsibility and that zeal, maybe you want to commit to some fasting this week until that burden is lifted. I encourage you to do that. 
You say, Pastor, this morning I've been wrestling with my salvation. I don't even know if I have a relationship. Maybe the weight that I'm carrying is not guilt and burden. It is shame because I'm outside of a relationship with Christ. And I need to be saved this morning. I want to talk to you about where my eternity lies. God, we invite you into this place. God, not because you need that invitation, but because we need to say it out loud that we are in desperate, urgent dependency of you. So God, we pour it out, Lord. We pour it out this morning for you to work and, and, and will for your good purposes so that we may be able to see through the power of your Son more than we could ever dream or imagine as your story has been written out through the ministry of reconciliation and the ministry of Church 213. God, we thank you, Lord, this morning. God, thank you for the full house. God, I pray that we'll be a bringer more in the days ahead. God, that the things that you're doing around here would spur us on to live it out and pour it out, God. Pour it out on us so we can pour it out on the lives of other people. God, fill us up. Fill our cups of glory up so that we would have to drink out of the overflow of the saucer. God, help us to be saucer people this week, Lord. God, thank you for loving us when we don't deserve it. Thank you for carrying us, Lord, when we can't carry ourselves. So, God, I pray that the burdens that are going to be applied to the shoulders of your people, God, help us to prayerfully take them up with responsibility, knowing that you are writing your story. God, you're faithful and you're true. God, never let go of us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Thanks for listening. If you made a decision for Christ or need prayer, please shoot us a message on Facebook at Church 213 